Well, that is a perfect song uh, for what we're going to be talking about today as we continue our series that we started last week on holding fast. How do we hold fast to this amazing gift that God gives us of being able to live this life in union with him? And uh, the title of today's message is Fix Your Eyes, Be Thou My Vision. Well, um, yeah, I I immediately, when I thought about uh, this topic, um, Susie and my first real date was phenomenal. we were actually, she was living in Missoula, but we actually en- ended up in, in Washington State, driving me back to catch my uh, plane. And we had our first date, and we, we found this beautiful old mansion that was a restaurant. And, but uh, before we could eat there, we put our name in. Uh, there was a gazebo on the other side in this park. And it was at night, and the moon was out. I mean, it was this beautiful, beautiful time together. And I grabbed her, and we started dancing in the gazebo. And I sang this song to her, I Only Have Eyes for You. Do you guys remember that song? Are the stars out tonight? I don't know if it's cloudy or bright. Cause I only have eyes for you. And I'm, and I'm just fixated on her. And she's gazing into my eyes. It's just a great moment. <laughs> Excuse me. Well, <clears throat> about four months later, five months later, maybe. No, whatever. But months later, we were engaged. And I go back to Missoula, and we're going to spend some time together there. And we're walking along this river in this beautiful place. And again, the setting's awesome. There's a park over next to us. So I start singing the song again to her. And I'm looking at her, and I'm gazing into her eyes. And I start singing, I only have eyes. But on the other side of Susie, there was a football game going on. <laughs> And uh, so I'm facing her, but as I'm singing, I only have eyes for you. She notices that my eyes aren't fixed on her at all. And she looks around and sees this football game going on. Can I just say, not a great move when you're trying to create union with your fiance. In fact, um, I I went to her because I couldn't remember. I said, babe, do you you remember... um, exactly where and and when that happened she goes she goes I remember exactly where we were at (laughs) it's a good thing when you love someone to keep your eyes gazed and fixed on them and then the obviously the other illustration is when you're driving you're supposed to keep your eyes fixed my second daughter just this week passed her driver's test and so I'll have two of them on the road and um, and I just I just know the concern of a parent and the reason I have that concern is because my first accident I was 16 I had only had my driver's license for three uh, three months and my parents actually left for two weeks on an anniversary and left me in charge with my younger brother and sister. Okay, crazy. And that day, my brother and I were sitting in the, uh, we had a uh, railroad crossing, and so we're stopped. But then we started to go, and right when we started to go, our radio, you know, we just, we just had, you know, the AM, FM radio. And so we put a boom box down on the floor so we could actually play tapes. <laughs> And, and listen to the music, and he couldn't figure it out. So what did I do? I take my eyes off the road, and I lean down to fix it, and sure enough, the guy in front of me stops, 
bam, I hit the car. My brother's head crashes into the windshield and he creates an outprint of his head. The first day after my mom and dad put me in charge. You know, it's a good idea to keep your eyes fixed on who you love and where you're going. <laughs> so holding fast to a union with God, who is the one we love, who loves us, who also is the one who gives us life. He is the way he is. He's all of his ways are right. They're good. And when we stay in union with God, you guys, why is it worth it? Last week, that verse, we can have the whole measure of the fullness of God in our life. When we know him experientially, when we're sharing life, when we're in union with him. And then the Bible says, if you keep in step with his spirit, if you abide in Christ, both of those passages say there will be fruit that comes out of your life, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness. And so like self-control, this life in union with God is worth it. But we also know that it's hard to hold to it. So we have to fix our eyes. So we're going in the book of Hebrews I shared last week throughout the whole book, the book of Hebrews talks about the, the hope that we can have because of the gospel, because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. He's done everything that's necessary. So you and I, so that you can actually live a life in union with God. And then people are leaving it though. They're, they're abandoning the faith. They're walking away. It's, it's hard. It's oppressive. There's challenges. And so the whole book is written to say, but he's worth it. Jesus has done everything necessary for you to do that. So he's done his work to reconcile you to God, to be with you. Now you do yours. And that's where we're at. We're in Hebrews chapter 12. And now there's these instructions, these kind of, as I said last week, workout plan to say, how do I work out what God works in me so I can stay in union with God? And this is the second week. And we're in Hebrews chapter 12. Let me read the passage for you. And then we'll unpack it. It says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart in your struggle against sin. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. So how do we hold fast to this race, to this union with God today? We're going to say right from the scripture, you have to fight to fix your eyes, fight to fix your eyes. So let's just real quick. Just talk about the fight. There's two fights mentioned in here. The first one is against sin. Hebrews 12, four says in your struggle against sin. So here we are when we're trying to run a race and we actually have something that's coming against us. And now if life is union with God, then temptation is anything that causes us to fall out of union with God. That's what sin is. And sin is constantly doing this 
We, we, the Bible says we have the, our own flesh, which is so frustrating, right? That even our own desires, we want things that are opposite of God, things that he won't have anything to do with that break our fellowship with him. And then the world, like everything in the world, is luring us away from God, not causing us to walk with him. And then Jesus says, you, you even have a spiritual enemy. So your own flesh is messed up. The world is messed up. And then you have a spiritual enemy whose whole desire is to keep you from being with me. And I, I, I'm going to be totally honest with you. Sometimes I, I feel like this is frustrating to me because I feel like, man, um, I don't, I, okay, basically, I often think that I should just be able to do this. Like, I've been walking with Jesus for over 40 years. I've been a pastor for 30-some years. I should just be able to do this. But that's not what the scripture says. The scripture says this will be a fight. You are going to struggle against sin. So just believe that. And here's what's crazy. Jesus, we're supposed to fix our eyes on Jesus. Jesus struggled against sin. Sin. The Bible says he was tempted in every way that he learned obedience from what he suffered. <laughs> he fought. He just happened to win the race and stay in union with God. But it was a fight. So that's the first one. Let's just admit it. We're going to have a struggle against sin. There's a fight that's trying to keep us from staying, holding fast to God and pursuing other things. But the second thing in the scripture, the other fight is that there's going to be opposition from sinners. Hebrews 12, 3 says, consider him, consider Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinners. So we have our own issue of sin that's against us, but then also sinners, there's an opposition again. Now, when, when the scripture uses the word sinner, what is it? It's just somebody who doesn't walk in union with God. Is somebody who's, who's not pursuing him, loving him. They're just doing their own thing. And so we know this, you guys, that, that people who, who are not trying to follow God, they can even be really good people, but they're constantly living in a life that's not in line with the kingdom of God. And so what happens? They can pull us away. The, the temptations come. Because we're with them and we don't want them to like us. We want to get along. And so next thing you know, we, we'll start doing things that are outside of what God really wants us to do. And if someone is a sinner, someone who's not walking in God's ways, God's ways are good. They're what's right. So many times we actually get wounded from people who aren't walking with God. Even Christians, when we don't walk with God, we wound each other. And so, and then... It's, they can constantly be challenging, right? <laughs> challenging your thoughts, challenging what you believe, causing discouragement and doubt to creep in. And then eventually Jesus says there's persecution. So anyway, here's what we know. It's hard enough to try to stay in union with God in my own flesh and just the world and the enemy. But then when we are surrounded by people who don't want to follow him and necessarily don't want us to follow him, that can be a fight too. And all of this, whether it's your own struggle against sin or whether it's, it's the opposition that constantly comes from our culture and, and, and everyone around us, you can get really tired of the fight and you can get weary. And the next thing you know, you just go, man, I don't even know if it's worth it. I can't do it very well and it's hard. And so next thing you know, instead of staying in union with him, 
we start to fade away from him. We grow weary and we lose heart. There is a fight. So we've got to fight. And what do we got to do? To fix our eyes on Jesus. Again, the scripture is telling us you don't have to grow weary and lose heart if you'll fix your eyes on him. So I'm actually going to do, I'm going to flip my message a little bit today. Usually when we talk about the application of the message, we'll wait till the end. But I'm going to jump into it right now. And let's talk about what it means to fix your eyes. How do we actually do that? And by the way, the other thing the scripture actually said, there's two things. It said, fix your eyes on Jesus, but it also said, consider him. So think about that. The word consider him is not just a a quick thought. No, when you're considering something, you're thinking deeply about it. You're, You're chewing on it. You're ruminating on it. So we're supposed to actually not only fix our eyes, which is our imagination, we can see Jesus, but we're supposed to fix our thoughts. We're supposed to consider him, take time to really think about Jesus, okay? So let me just give you some very practical ways that in my own life, I'm trying to figure out how to fix our eyes, and people have been doing this for 2,000 years. I'm gonna give you some weekly things, I'm gonna give you some periodic things, I'm going to give you some daily and even some hourly things. Because fixing your eyes on something is not a glance. It's not a glance. I'm gazing on you. Okay, so let's talk about it. Weekly. It's what you're doing right now. Throughout all scripture, God has called his people to gather every week. There's been a Sabbath from the very beginning. So that we consider the day holy, which means it's set apart unto God. So there's going to be a day every week where we're going to get together. We're going to gather together. And the purpose of that gathering is to remember him. It's to remember who he is. It's to worship him, right? To declare his praises, to remind ourselves. We fix our mind and our eyes on him when we worship him. And we say again, we remind ourselves again, God is good. God is love. He loves me. God is righteous. God is powerful. There's no one else. Jesus is our creator and he's our savior. Whatever. You just, you just keep going every week and then you hear his word like I'm teaching you so that you can think about it, so that you can fix your eyes on him again and remind yourself it is worth it to hold fast to the union with God. And every week, Every day you're supposed to do that. You know, it's interesting. All across the nation now, everybody's reporting this, that people who say they regularly attend, that usually means every other week. And so, you know, years ago, it was the normal thing to just be, to commit to that Sabbath. I'm going to be with God and with his people every week. But now it's every other week. And then here's the other thing, though, that you can do weekly. And that's your life together group. And we've, we've just say all the time here, it's like just an hour on a Sunday is not enough. You've got to get in community with other people where you can even get deeper into fixing your eyes on Jesus and ruminating and thinking about him. And so we have those groups. And I just want to say again, even if you've just started watching the services um, and on, online here, We have groups that meet all over the valley and we're doing our Zoom. Actually, we're able to get together. Some groups are now getting together in the park or outside, but you must, I just, if you're going to fix your eyes, fix them on Jesus. 
one hour a week on a Sunday and one hour a week. Now, even if you committed to that, do you guys, you guys know that if you sleep eight hours a day, okay, then in one week you have 112 waking hours, 112 hours that you're awake. And, and think about this. If I go to church once, if I'm actually committed every week to never miss, that's only one hour out of 112 hours. I throw in a life together group. Maybe that's two more hours. Now we got three. That means there's still 109 hours that are so captivating with so much to do. Our work and our family and our house we have to take care of and all the things we are. When are you fixing your eyes on Jesus? Because if we do, we don't lose heart and we don't grow weary and we stay in union with God. So I'm just going to encourage you again, commit every week to take that time to fight, to fix your eyes on Jesus. Now, here's a couple other things. Periodically, I think we need to fix our eyes periodically. And what do I mean by that? So, um, I just know that right now in our day and age, we have this amazing gift of the best teachers on the planet. I mean, it's great. I'm glad you're listening to me. There are brilliant men and women who are putting out their messages and you could be soaking them in every week. And so I, and I, and I want to say periodically, because here's two things I do. Uh, number one, when you're exercising, man, one of the greatest times that I end up fixing my eyes on Jesus is when I'm out riding my bike or when I, whatever exercise you do, you can put that in and the whole time you can be helping your mind consider him and you can fix your eyes on him. And here's the other thing is when you're driving, what do you, what are you listening to when you're driving? Man, put these podcasts on, put worship music on. And, and even in a 20-minute drive, your thoughts, instead of like sports radio or, or listening to, to you know, the uh, music or whatever you're listening to, you could actually be taking that time to be fixing your eyes and considering Jesus. So think about that periodically. By the way, let me just give you three podcasts. There are so many. But my, some of the top three for me are Tim Keller, Tim Keller, Erwin McManus, and Andy Stanley. And I like those three guys because they're completely different <laughs> in what they bring. So anyway, periodically, fight to fix your eyes on him every week and periodically. And now we got to fight and you really have to fight to fix your eyes and to hold fast to him daily. And I say this all the time. I'll beat this drum until I see Jesus face to face myself. The most important thing that I do is every morning... I fix my eyes on Jesus. I consider him. I grab his word because Jesus says you live. I want to live, man. I want to experience him. I want to be in union with God. And he says, well, David, then you live on every word that comes from my mouth. And so I just want to encourage you again to soap. We call it soap. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, acronym for scripture, observation, application, and prayer. It's a very simple way to, to do scripture. Listen, if the Bible intimidates you, I get it, man. And, and it, it's, it is, it's, it's the word of God. It should intimidate us. 
But I know initially, man, when I tried to start reading the scripture, I couldn't do it. I, I, was, I couldn't get up. I, I'd do it once. Two weeks later, I'd do it again. But I kept fighting and I kept fighting and I kept fighting because I realized if I'm going to stay in union with God, I have to struggle against sin, my flesh. If I want to be in union with God, I have to fix my eyes on Jesus. Not every once in a while, flippantly, when I feel like it or a thought comes to my head. No, if you really want to live this life, you got to fix your eyes on him. And so daily do this. And by the way, can I just say on our next step card, and you can fill that out. um, It's right there on on our Facebook page um, or uh, go to our website. And there's always a place where you can click for next steps. If you would like some instruction or some help in how to read the Bible in a way where you actually engage with God and it helps you to be in union with him. We'd love to send you that information, okay? And help you out with that. So fill that next step card out, go to our website or uh, here on Facebook and, and make that happen. All right? And then, and then what I'm learning, and that, this is, I have never done this well. I do that every morning, daily, but then you have, to, I'm learning, you need to do something at night. All through the Bible, it was always morning, and evening, they would fix their eyes again on God. And so if we're going to win, this is how we do it. So the, the, the latest thing I'm, I've just been trying with this, because I've never done this well, to be honest with you, is I'm just grabbing my uh, phone and putting my earphones in and taking worship music and just putting it in and listening to that and letting that be the last thought of my day so that I can keep my eyes fixed on him. All right. Weekly, periodically, daily. And then the last thing I'm going to tell you is hourly. I mean, what I'm realizing is as much as I love him, much as I've walked with him, I can fix my eyes more on him. We just can. I mean, there are people who experience such an amazing union with God. And they've developed these practices that help them to be in tune with God so that they're actually in tune all day long, their whole work day. It, it never actually, it doesn't have to separate. You can, you can actually be conscious of God while you're in your workplace, while you're in recreation, while you're at home. And this is the goal to get so fixated on him, to be so in union with him. But these, t- you got to do some practices. So I want to share with you something that somebody shared with me recently. It's called the one minute pause and it's an app. It's called The One Minute Pause. It's by John Eldridge, who I love. Another great, great guy. Great books. Um, so I encourage you. I'm going to encourage you today. Go to the app store. I just put in pause, but you'll see it. It's called The One Minute Pause. And it's an app. And the first time you listen to it, it's just one minute in your day. And somebody, I can't remember who, but somebody showed this to me. Here's the first thing. There's some beautiful music that just starts and then... You just close your eyes and you let it speak to you. Here's what it says. Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you. I give myself to you, Jesus, for union with you. I am created for union with you. I give everything in me for union with you, Lord. I just remember the first time I heard that, I just thought, oh my goodness. If every day I could just stop and think this through, and it's just one minute. 
And then it actually has it on there so you can set. They tell you to do it twice a day. And you just, you set, uh, you, you set those times and it'll come up. It does on my phone every day. It just pops up to remind me to fix my eyes on Jesus. And I want to tell you, man, right? The days get hard. You get distracted. You get frustrated. You get angry. You get fearful. Whatever. All the stuff of the earth is happening. And then all of a sudden, boom. Hey, I'm here. I'm here. I died for you so that you and I could be together in union with me. Stop for one minute. Pause for a minute. And I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's fantastic. So I want to encourage you to pick up that app. What's cool is once you get through the one minute, there are other options to do three minutes and five minutes and even 10 minutes. But fix your eyes on Jesus. So there you go. Fight the struggle against sin, against everything that keeps you from staying in union with God. Hold fast to this. What do I got to do? What do I got to do? How could I, how could I experience the spirit of God more in my life all day long? The love and joy and peace that he says are mine. Fix your eyes. Fight to fix your eyes. Weekly, periodically, daily, and hourly. All right? And now, now let's end this thing with what do we see when you fix your eyes on Jesus? Why is this such an important thing to do? Well, let's look at what do we see in Jesus? Number one, that he's a pioneer. Interesting word. <laughs> Hebrews 12, 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer of faith. He's the pioneer of faith. You know, it, this is an interesting word. And you know what's interesting? When I look up all these different uh, versions, English versions, right? Because Hebrew is actually written in the Greek language. So then the English language tries to translate it. And here, here are the words in all these different versions. We have pioneer, founder, author, initiator, and leader. Like everybody's trying to figure out how do we take the nuance of this word? And make it make sense to us. Well, in essence, the word simply means this. It's one who takes the lead in or provides the first occasion of anything. So what does that mean when he's the pioneer, right? They're the ones who went out first. The founder is the one who made it happen. Didn't exist until the founder made it happen. An author, there's nothing, there's nothing, there's a blank page until the author thinks about it. You're the leader. You're the one initiating it. So here's what we know. What does it mean that Jesus, we fix our eyes on him because he's the pioneer of faith. It means Jesus began faith. He's the first one to walk in the spirit. He ushered in the kingdom of God. Now, the Holy Spirit was always present. He was ministering to people in the Old Testament. But inside you, one in spirit with the Holy Spirit, Jesus was the first to ever do that. And so he ushered in, ushered in. It wasn't there. The kingdom of God, that was his whole thing. The kingdom of God is here because I'm here and I walk by faith. One guy, I love this. He said, Jesus was the first one to show us what it really is to be human. Because humanity was created to be in union with God. And Jesus was the first one to do that. And then his death and his resurrection began 
the possibility of this faith. So when you look at Jesus, you go, he's the one. He started it. But not only did he begin faith, he began our faith. He began our faith. Any of us, you guys, if, and if you're not a Christian, here's the good news. You will never actually begin faith unless Jesus actually begins it in you. What do I mean by that? Well, anybody who's a follower of Christ will say, I only believe because he pursued me. Jesus says, no one comes to me unless the father draws him to me. He said, the Holy Spirit actually has to convict us of this sin because otherwise we're just, man, we, we just walk without God. We do our own thing until the Holy Spirit begins a work inside of us. He shines his light into our hearts so we can see the light of his glory. God does that. And so you, you, part of what we do when we fix our eyes on Jesus, we remember, oh my goodness, the only reason I have faith at all is because of Jesus. He started the faith and he started it in me. The second thing he says is he's not only the, one, the pioneer, he's the perfecter. He's the perfecter. Hebrews 12, 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the perfecter of faith. Oh, man. You guys, when you look at Jesus, he lived the perfect life of faith. He's the one who said, I never do anything on my own. That's all we do. We do what we want to do. Jesus never did anything on his own. But whatever the father showed him, he did. So that means everything he did was in union with the father. He was perfect in his faith, in his submission, in his love, in his obedience. And so he lived the union with God. And he did it. He perfected it, which also means, and he did it all the way to the end. He completed it. He finished the work from the beginning to the end. And man, when you're struggling and it's hard and sin is wanting to pull you away and those who don't want you to follow God are pulling you away, then you look at Jesus and you go, he perfected this. And then here's the craziest thing. He didn't just perfect faith. He's the one who perfects our faith. The only hope we have of growing, and we're supposed to grow in our faith, is Jesus. See, first, what did he do? The Bible says, again, in the book of Hebrews, he has made us perfect forever by one sacrifice. Those who are being made holy, but he's made us perfect. He has taken away all of our sin. And so I, I gaze at Jesus and I remember, wait a second. I am seen without blemish. I'm seen as holy. I'm seen with no accusation. And what that does is instead of feeling guilt and shame, which will always cause me to give up the fight, to feel weary, to, to, to lose heart and just say, oh, I just can't do it. Then you give up the race and you miss out on the union with God but you fix your eyes on Jesus because he perfected you. One time, his sacrifice perfected you. And that is what encourages you, I can run this race because I am set free. The Bible says it cleans your conscience so you can serve him. You can run because of what Jesus did, not because of what you're doing. But then this Jesus who perfected faith, where is he at? His presence is in you. This is the gospel, you guys. Once for all, he has died for you. And his presence is in you. The one who always says yes to God is in you. So you fix your eyes on him. 
how he lived the race, how he perfected it, but also how he perfected you and how he is in you to give you what you need. Man, fight to fix your eyes on him. You'll see the pioneer. You'll see the perfecter. And then the third one is, and then he's the one who perseveres. He perseveres. And this, this is when the scripture says, this is how we don't grow weary and lose heart. Look at this. For the joy set before him, he endured. It's the same word when it says run the race with perseverance. It's the same word. Jesus persevered and he endured the cross, scorning its shame. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Here's the truth. It is the truth. We are going to want to let go at times instead of holding fast to union with God. Every one of us. That's why the scripture's in here. It's hard. But what did he say later? He goes, in your struggle against sin in this battle to stay in union with God, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. True. <laughs> it's like, it's almost like the writer here is just going, hey guys, I know this is hard, but man, you, you, you haven't gone through anything compared to Jesus. And he never wavered. He never wavered ever, and it was harder for him. He's the one who sweat like drops of blood were coming from his being through sweat as he pressed against and struggled against the sin, the temptation to say no to his father, but he didn't give in. And it was so intense, blood was dripping from him and then all the way to death on the cross. Why? Why? Why did he do that? so he could be in union with you. And that's who you follow. And that's who's in you. And so when you're struggling, you go, man, you know what? I just, I just, I, this is just hard. I'm just tired. I'm so busy. Look at all these great things. I'm telling you, if you don't ever fix your eyes on Jesus, those good things are gonna lure you away. People will lure you away. The hardships of life will grow so tired and you'll get so weary that you'll just want to let go. But if you stop and gaze on Jesus every week, every Sunday morning, every week in your life together group, periodically while you're exercising or while you're driving, every morning, Every hour with his pause, every night when you go to bed, you look at Jesus and you go, he never gave in. That's who I follow. And that's who's in me. And he didn't give in so that I could be in union with him. And then let me just close with this. The last thing you see in Jesus is the cross. We have to fix our eyes on Jesus who endured the cross. Scorning its shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now let me just tell you something. Much lesser men than Jesus have endured martyrdom. Painful, brutal execution. Much lesser than Jesus. Even crucifixion. And so... This isn't about physical pain because just mere men experienced that physical pain and endured it. 
What was the cross really, what was Jesus really enduring? It was separation from his father. On the cross, he was absorbing the wrath of God, the punishment of God towards sin. Now remember this, he had no sin in him. And the scripture says on that cross, he was absorbing my sin, your sin, and the separation and the wrath of God. That's what he endured. And I want to tell you, ma'am, we have no idea, no idea what it was like for Jesus to pay the price for the penalty of the sin of the world. But that's who we need to fix our eyes on. And when I thought about this this week, if I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus on the cross, but what did he see? Because this is the key. What did Jesus see? Why was he on the cross? It says for the joy set before him. Well, what could Jesus see? Apparently he was fixing his eyes on something that was worth it to endure and to stay in union with his father. Let me give you what he saw. The first thing he saw was he saw his father's face. He was good. He was like, you know what? I'm going to sit that's what he says. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Oh my gosh. Yes. He had to experience separation from his father, but he knew if I endure this, I am going to be in reunion with my father. And we're going to be able to say, we did it. He said his food was to do the will of his father and to finish the work that he was given. And he just couldn't wait. He couldn't wait. I'm going to see my father. And we did it. That's the first thing he saw. But you know what else Jesus saw? He saw many brothers and sisters. This is again the hope of the gospel. Heirs. Jesus, Romans 8, 17 says, Now if we're children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Why was Jesus willing to go to the cross and endure this? Because he could see if I do this, I'm going to have brothers and sisters. And that might sound kind of weird, but that's what it says. Romans 8, 29 says, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus, that he, that Jesus might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. What are you called? What, what happens to you as soon as you put your faith in Christ? You become his child. You become a child of God. And Jesus was saying, if I go through with this, there are going to be so many more people who right now are separated from my father, but who are going to be born of his spirit. They're going to become my brothers and sisters. They will be co-heirs with me. He saw you. And then the second, and then what did he see? He saw people's sin forgiven once for all. If I do this, if I take on the punishment of sin, then it will provide forgiveness. Then no one who puts their faith in me will experience that punishment or that wrath. And he could see that and it was worth it to him to say, so that you could be forgiven, so that you once for all 
could have all your sins washed away. Jesus was like, I can see that. And for the joy set before me of providing forgiveness for the sins of the world, I'm hanging in there. The fourth thing he saw was his presence in people's hearts. Because that's what happens. Jesus died and forgave us of all of our sin once for all so that we could be reconciled to God so that the spirit of God could now live inside of us. The hope of glory is Christ in you. Jesus and his spirit lives with you. And he was like, I, I just know when he was sitting there, he's like, this is what I see. This is what can happen. I'll endure this because if I do, I'll get to live in people's hearts every moment of every day and strengthen them and encourage them and help them to overcome the struggle against sin and stay in union with my father. And then the last thing he saw is he saw people with him for eternity. The joy set before Christ was he knew that you and any person throughout history who would put their faith in him would be with him forever. Come on, man, fix your eyes on the one who loves you, who gave his life for you, who endured way more than you will ever imagine just so he could be in union with you, so he could forgive you once for all, so he could be his present in your life, so you could be with him for eternity. You are dearly loved, man. And you got to fight, fight to fix your eyes on Jesus. Because then you won't grow weary or lose heart because you realize he's worth it. He is worth it. Man, he is worth the time to fix your eyes on him. Because being in union with him is life. So fight it. Take those applications and apply them this week and see what happens to your soul. And now let's close. And what a great song as we focus on the cross and on what Jesus has done. Everything I just shared with you, worship him, fix your eyes on him, consider him and praise him for what he's done for you.